Hello, I'm Pastor Eric Longman. Welcome to Adult Bible Study at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Rogers, Arkansas. Each week we gather to talk through some passage of scripture or some interesting topic that has come up in the life of a church, and we invite you to come along for the ride and to listen in. Just a bit of a setup, Holy Trinity is a member congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, or LCMS. We believe in salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and we place Jesus and his suffering, death, and resurrection for the sake of sinful people like you and me at the center of our teaching. You should know going in that I'm very much open to exploring rabbit holes in Bible study. I take on it as simple. Whatever passage of scripture we're looking at is just an entry point. It gets us into God's word and it opens the door for the discussion to go wherever the Holy Spirit takes us. So don't be surprised when we wander down some pathways that maybe are only tangentially related to the topic at hand. It makes for some interesting conversations, and we're blessed with a group that's happy to share their experiences along the way. So with that, let's jump in to this week's episode. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Adult Bible Study at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church. Just a reminder, we are recording, so don't say anything you don't want to have on the internet forever. Um, it does get posted as our podcast. How many of y'all ever listen to the podcast? Terry does. Yeah. Have you? Did you listen recently? Uh, I've missed two of them. Oh, I've been making upgrades. Like, like there's music behind the introduction <laughs> stuff. It's cool. I did, I did services though. Oh good, too. cool. So. Okay. All right, good. Well, they're out there. I mean, one of the neat things is, you know, we post the pod the study as a podcast. So, if you ever want to go back and go, and ah, what was he saying or, you know, you want to go back and pick it up again, you can always get it. It's we do it through Spotify, so if you're on Spotify, that's easy to find it, but it does cascade out to a bunch of places. So, pretty much I think anywhere you get podcasts, you can probably find it. Yes. Can you give if a you're, simple explanation what what is a podcast is that (laughs) so it's basically just a recorded episode yes um but what happens is there there's you can have podcasting software and and what it does is it takes that recorded episode and it downloads it and it keeps track of when they were released so you can listen to them in order and stuff like that on what on on usually on your phone but on your computer as well um, it's just a way of kind of distributing episodes of something that are audio only. So it's just sound. Um, a lot of times what you'll have is like a podcast that digs in and does a deep investigation of something. And it'll go, you know, 10 episodes and you can just listen to those. So it's a way to do kind of long form radio journalism. Mm. Well, how do you but, get to it? Though? So, <laughs> usually you have special software to get to how it. How do you get here? Um, oh, okay. There's, there's the software that, that we publish through is called Spotify. Um, so, there's an app called Spotify that you can download. And Spotify does podcasts, it does music, it does all different kind of stuff. Um, the one I use most commonly is called Podcaster. Um, and, and again, you can do a search within them. I mean, this is, we're going way down a rabbit hole, but yes, Terry. I go to the church's website. Yes, that's the other way you can find it. And I don't have any special software. Okay, so on a browser, you can go to holytrend.org. Okay. And there's an online menu at the top. And if you click on online and then choose podcasts, that's where you'll find it too. Yeah, and it will, you're right, it'll play it right there in the browser. Yeah. So, perfect. Yeah. 
And if you have a cable um, that attached to your, um, between your computer and your TV, you can just throw it out there. Well, that's some next level stuff, Robert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Terry's right. I mean, the super easiest way to do it is go to holytrend.org, which yeah. is our website. Yeah. There's an online menu, and when you click on online, you choose podcasts off of that, okay. and it will list all of them for you with the most recent first. Oh. And then you can just click on it. It'll play it right there on your computer. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the, that's the super simplest yeah. way to do it. also on Podbean, Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify. It's on Podcaster. It's, I don't think it's on Google Podcasts, but I'm working on that. So they, they, it just kind of gets distributed through all kinds of different channels. But the website is certainly the easiest. Yeah. So, so if you ever want to go back and listen, that's where you can do it. Um, any questions about anything? VBS is coming up July 16th through the 20th. And, and some of you have kids who might go, but also... What's that? Are there going to be flyers? I think there are flyers out and about. If not, um, tap Tabby. I'm sure she's got something because we are sending out mailers. And so I know she's got some little postcards that you can hand out. Um, so there may be some out in Menarthex, though. Look and see out there. Um, we're also going to be trying to do some direct mail to the neighborhoods around us to try and do some outreach that way. Um, one thing that would be helpful, though, is if you would like to help with that, we could use some volunteers. Um, we need some crew leaders, which is super simple. I mean, that's just making sure kids get from one station to the next. Um, we've got an opening for somebody to help with games, I think. Um, so there's some crafts, things that we need help with. And Debbie will prep you for everything. I mean, she'll give you all the materials that you need. It's not like we're going to send you out there with no help. Um, but if you're willing to, to put some time into that, we need to know soon because we've got to run background checks and all that stuff. Because, um, you know, sadly, we have to do that. Excuse me. But we'd love your help with that, too. Um, Unity Sunday is coming up in two weeks. Um, that's our voters assembly and we have a potluck, a different schedule, just so everybody knows, 845 Bible study and uh, Sunday school, 10 a.m. worship, just a single service. It's a time for us to come together as one church, which is neat. Um, and then at 1130, we have uh, HTY Cafe, which is our youth preparing a meal for us, and then our voters assembly. Um, they, I think the only major piece of business that we have to deal with in the voters assembly is a proposal that has come to us from Ozarks Go. Um, it is a local internet provider. They provide fiber optic internet service and they would like to put a fiber hut on the back corner of our property. Essentially it's a service building that they will use for some of their equipment. Um, they're, at, they're basically purchasing an easement from us for space on the corners on the edges of our property to run their wires back to that hut and then of course the hut itself and they'll run a little driveway out to it it'll be surrounded by a fence and, and they said i said what's that fence going to look like and they said you tell us and i said well not chain link i want it to look decent and they said oh yeah we would much prefer to have metal posts and cedar um, fencing so that it looks good and lasts a long time um, and, and will we get discounts to Ozark Go? <laughs> yes. In fact, what I negotiated with them is that we will receive their highest tier, top speed, commercial grade internet at no charge as long as we're here. You, I don't know about that. <laughs> Although, conceivably, yes. 
probably ought to get some benefits. Yeah, conceivably, yes. The trick is they have to run fiber to every home that they serve. Um, and and they're, I know we have some members who are in their area. So you might be, actually. Okay. Do they have fiber to your house? Yes. Okay. I'll, I'll, we don't have AT&T, but we got... Interesting. But you got Ozark, yeah. yeah. Which, my understanding is they're excellent. They're really good. Yeah. But Except I'll find out. The advantage of them yeah. is that if you have any problems with mm -hmm. your service, they're local. Mm -hmm. And, in my experience, they fixed it without, me, without anybody coming out. Really? Cool. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're actually part of um, the, the um, electric co-op. As well, um, it's it's Ozarks. Ozarks go, I think. Ozarks go, and then it's Ozarks Electric Co-op or something like that. But because they're part of a co-op, they run their business a little differently. So we had a similar proposal from Ritter, which is a commercial company, a while back, and we couldn't come to terms with them. But Ozarks go has been open to you know everything that we've brought up to them. They've been very willing to negotiate how we do this and what it looks like, and they've been terrific to work with. So that's not out of the question, actually, John. I will talk the to you. The drawback to them is you've got to use their router, and that is expensive. Oh, I see. And it's a monthly rental, right? Yeah. 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 But I'll see if there's a... If there's... I've been talking about the router. Oh. Yes, Judy. So the, they'll basically have a piece of land about 50 by 50 feet back there. Um, and th what they have asked, they'll put it on the back, back corner. So if you're looking, I don't know my orientation here, that's the street. So on that, if in the back of the property, back where the swamp is, and they know it's a swamp, I told them, um, on the back left corner. Um, and they will build that up to a level so that it's not a swamp. And then they will run a, a gravel drive back to their hut. And it will be enclosed in a, in a, um, in a fence. So it, it'll be pretty unobtrusive back there. They wanted to put it in the front corner up here, and I said, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> but um, we'll have, in the next couple of days, I will have pictures of the layout of what they want and stuff like that. And we'll have some stuff out there so you can look at it ahead of time. They will have somebody at the voters' assembly to answer any questions that you might have. Um, so we just that that's something that has to be voted on by the voters. So we will put that in front of you in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, I have the I have a copy of the easement. Um, we've gone back to them for requesting a couple of tweaks to that, so I don't have the final final. But if you'd like to see it, I'm happy to send you a copy. Yeah, and I will post that as well. So we can't stand in the way of Biden's progress towards getting five G data. Now I will tell you this: one of the one of the terms of the deal is that we get their top grade commercial internet. Currently at the church, we have uh, our internet through Cox, and it's about 90 megabits per second download and about 20 megabits per second upload. When we switch over to Ozarks Go, what they're offering today is one gigabit up and down, so about 10 times faster than what we have. And they think by the time they go live with the hut, they'll probably, their top level will be two and a half gigs, and we will get that. What is their estimated time? They said that construction would be about three months. That's almost yeah. <laughs> no tower. Almost as fast as you can type, yeah. No tower. Not a tower, no. It's all underground wires that just can, you know, come together at that hub. Oh. So, yeah, it's all, it's all fiber optic stuff. Just the building. But, yeah, it's just the building. Yeah.
So you'll see more about that, but I just wanted to kind of get that on your radar so you know about it. Um, any other questions about anything? See, I've blown like half our time. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's, we're going to begin with, as usual, our devotion from uh, the book Faith Alone by Martin Luther for July 2nd. I thought this was really appropriate. John chapter 3, verse 20. People who do what is wrong hate the light and don't come to the light. They don't want their actions to be exposed. The title of this is Open to Correction. The world doesn't want to be punished. It wants to remain in darkness. It doesn't want to be told that what it believes is false. If you also don't want to be corrected, then you might as well leave the church and spend your time at the bar and brothel. <laughs> Luther didn't pull any punches. But if you want to be saved and remember that there's another life after this one, you must accept correction. If you don't want to be saved, what's the use of being concerned about it? If you aren't sure you believe in hell, the devil, death, eternal condemnation, the wrath of God, then just ask your neighbor about it. Anyone can tell you that all of us will die. In short, if the church and secular government are to exist, they must shed light on evil. The civil authorities have to punish the obvious darkness of public vices and the offensive ways of people, while we preachers in the church must bring to light the subtle darkness of false teachers and false belief. We must confront those who teach and think that they have God's approval because of what they do. If the church and government stopped admonishing people, the whole world would collapse in a heap. If you want to be saved and be a Christian, stay open to correction. A preacher has to rebuke or he should leave his position. The Christian who won't accept correction is only pretending to be a Christian. It ties in kind of nicely to Pastor Mike's sermon today and what does freedom actually mean. Um, let's pray. Thank you, Lord God, for the blessings that you give to us. We thank you this weekend, especially for this gift of our nation, um, that you have brought us to this place, that you have provided freedoms that are unequaled in the world, um, and that you allow us to live here and to speak your word into it. Um, be with us, guide us, lead us, so that we can continue to do that, that others might know of your love and grace and come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. Be with us today as we study your word and especially the, the Apology of the Augsburg Confession. Help us to understand the truths that it reveals to us about your will and about our will and about how salvation works. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking about free will for the last couple of weeks. I think today we'll probably wrap that up or do the best we can wrapping it up. Um, and we've looked at the Augsburg Confession and what it says on three different articles. We looked at um, Article 2, which talks about original sin, which is the disease that we inherit from Adam and Eve. Um, we talked about Article 18, which is about free will. And kind of we, we specifically talked about the idea that, that our our free will is limited to earthly things, right? You can you have free will with regard to you know what you do for a living or who you marry or what route you take to church in the morning, those kind of things. What we don't have free will in is spiritual things. You can't choose to follow Jesus or not. I mean, you can actually choose not to, but you can't choose to follow Jesus. Um, that is something that is in the spiritual realm and it's outside of our will. The only way it happens is the Holy Spirit brings us to that and leads us to Jesus and leads us to the light of the world. Um, we talked about um, Article 19, which is the cause of sin. 
Um, and really what that's wrestling with was the, the question of, you know, if, if all this sin exists, then maybe God existed it and, or God created it and therefore he's responsible for all the sin anyway. And, and the writers of the Augsburg Confession were very clear that that's not the case. The, the cause of sin is um, our sinful nature and Satan. And that's who's to blame for that, not God. Um, so, it, you know, it, it disabuses the possibility that we can just like lay it all at God's feet and say it was his fault to begin with. So that's the Augsburg Confession. Now, you may remember the Augsburg Confession was delivered at the Diet of Worms um, or the Diet of Augsburg. And then it was followed up with a response from the Catholics to what we had written, which we don't have. We've lost that to history. But we do have then our defense of, of our confession. So that's what an apology is. An apology is not saying we're sorry for it. An apology is the defense of our position. It says this is why we hold the confession that we do. Terry. Did the Catholics have it? No, nobody has it. it it's lost. Sadly. So, well, I don't know. It may be in an archive somewhere in the basement of the Vatican, but, but yeah, it, that, that, maybe so. Gosh, I can't believe we wrote that. Um, but yeah, it's lost to history. So, so we can kind of get some sense of what was in it based on the apology, because you can kind of tell what we're responding to. So, so you get a sense of at least how they critiqued what we said in the original confession. But the actual document is lost, unfortunately. Um, so, so we go to the Augsburg, to the apology of the Augsburg Confession. We're gonna, I'll start with this little section about dead as. This is on page 19 of your handout. Um, a stone, a log, a corpse. The reality is that each of these things is inanimate. A stone cannot move itself. A log cannot attach itself to a living tree. On its own, a corpse cannot live again. The apology of the Augsburg Confession elaborates on the truth that we are, by nature, unable to fear and love God. Every person is born in sin, as David confesses in Psalm 51. Every person is born dead in transgressions and sins as Paul acknowledges in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 1. But God, in his love and mercy, has overcome our sin and death through the gift of forgiveness and life in Christ. So here are the words of the Apology of the Augsburg Confession. For what else is being able, by one's own strength, to love God above all things and fulfill his commandments except original righteousness? If human nature is so strong that it's able on its own to love God above all things, what then is original sin? Why do we need God's grace, Christ's grace, if we can be justified as a result of our own righteousness? Why do we need the Holy Spirit if we're strong enough on our own to love God above all things and fulfill God's commandments? Scripture everywhere warns us, as the prophets constantly complain, about putting our confidence in our human abilities, contempt for God, hating God, and similar faults with which we were born. We've not said anything new. The ancient definition of original sin, understood correctly, says precisely the same thing. Original sin is the absence of original righteousness. But what is righteousness? In the scriptures, righteousness consists not only in obeying the second table of the Ten Commandments, that's um, commandments four through ten, honor your father and your mother, 
you shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, and you shall not covet your neighbor's stuff or your neighbor's people. Okay. Um, righteousness consists not only in obeying the second table of the Ten Commandments, which are about good works and serving our fellow man, but also the first table, which teaches about fearing God, faith, and loving God, the first three commandments. You shall have no other gods, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain, and you shall honor the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, meaning we should want to hear God's preaching and God's word and come to worship gladly. Um, therefore, original righteousness includes not only physical health in all ways, as they contend, this again in response to the Catholic um, response, such as pure blood and unimpaired physical ability, but also these gifts, a sure and certain knowledge of God, fear of God, confidence in God, and the desire and ability to give God these things. Scripture testifies this when it says in Genesis 1.27 that man was made in the image and likeness of God. What else was this image and likeness other than that man was created with wisdom and righteousness so that he could apprehend God and reflect God? Mankind was given the gift of knowing God, fearing God, being confident in God. We are right in our description of original sin when we say that it is not being able to believe God and not being able to fear and love God. We're right when we say that it includes concupiscence, that is the inclination to sin, which seeks fleshly things contrary to God's word. This means when it seeks not only the pleasure of the body, but also fleshly wisdom and righteousness. Since Christ was given to us to remove both these sins and the punishments and to destroy the devil's kingdom, sin, and death, we will never be able to recognize Christ's benefits unless we understand our evils. We do not deny freedom to the human will. The human will has a freedom in the choice of works and the things that reason understands by itself. To a certain extent, reason can display public righteousness or the righteousness of works. It can speak of God, offer to God a certain service by an outward work, and obey public officials and parents. In choosing an outward work, it can hold back the hand from murder, adultery, and theft. Because human nature has been left with reason and judgment about objects subjected to the senses, choice between these things, the liberty and power to produce righteousness, are also left. Scripture calls this the righteousness of the flesh, which the carnal nature, that is reason, produces by itself without the Holy Spirit. However, the power of lustful desire is such that people more often obey evil inclinations than sound judgment. The devil, who is powerful in the godless, does not cease to stir up this weak nature to various offenses, as Paul says in Ephesians 2.2. And although we admit that free will has the freedom and power to perform the extreme good works of the law, the extreme works of the law, sorry, we do not assign spiritual matters to free will. These are to truly fear God, believe God, be confident and hold that he cares for us, hears us, and forgives us. These are the true works of the first table, which the heart cannot produce without the Holy Spirit. As Paul says, the natural person, namely a person using only natural strength, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 2.14 People can determine this if they consider what their hearts believe about God's will, whether they're truly confident that God cares for and hears them. 
Even the saints find keeping this faith difficult, which is not possible in unbelievers. But as we've said before, it begins when terrified hearts hear the gospel and receive comfort. Their distinction is helpful. Their distinction meaning something that the Catholics wrote in their response. Civil righteousness is assigned to free will. Spiritual righteousness is assigned to the governing of the Holy Spirit in the reborn. In this way, outward discipline is kept because all people should know that God requires this civil righteousness and that, to some extent, we can achieve it. And yet a distinction is shown between human and spiritual righteousness, between philosophical teaching and the teaching of the Holy Spirit. So it can be understood why the Holy Spirit is needed. That was a whole lot to lay on. Mm. But it boils down to this, and it, it's a, it's a, a teaching of, of a, a lot of what Luther wrote um, and, and is kind of making a comeback, if you want to call it that. And that is, it's a teaching known as two kinds of righteousness. And essentially what it gets at is this idea that there is a righteousness that we have horizontally, right, before man. That righteousness has to do with how you perceive me. Like, do you see me as a good person? Do I do the things that I should do as a person? Um, and so there's a righteousness that we kind of share between ourselves. And that exists in the civil realm too, okay? So government, on some level or another, determines your righteousness in the civil realm. Like, do you have a criminal history or not, right? Those, that's one of the ways that the righteousness is kind of determined within the civil realm. So within the civil realm, there is free will. Like, you can decide not to break the speed limit. You can decide to do things that other people look at and go, that's a good thing. You can decide to do those things, and they can hold you back from doing evil things. You know, you can decide, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be kind to my neighbor rather than I'm going to kill the guy next door. <laughs> or shoot somebody or whatever. So, so, but all of that is horizontal righteousness, okay? That's, that's like what you think of me. And that's a very, very different thing than my righteousness before God. Because my righteousness before God, so in, in civil righteousness, I, I've got some power to control that, right? I can do things that will build up my apparent righteousness before other people, or I can do things that will tear it down. And I can make those decisions about those things. So my righteousness before other people, I've got some control over that. But what I don't have control over is my righteousness before God because that's not based on the stuff that I do. I stand before God without Jesus, right? As an unbeliever, I stand before God dead. That's, that's that quote from Ephesians. You were dead in the sins and the trespasses in which you once lived. And, and as a dead person before God, spiritually, there's nothing I can do to change that. So the only way I come to righteousness before God is that he actually steps in, grabs a hold of me, lifts me up, and then gives me some righteousness that I don't have. And where that righteousness comes from is Jesus Christ. So there's, a, there's, a, there's this exchange that happens between me and Jesus where he takes my sins on himself, dies on the cross, takes the punishment that I deserve for it, and in return, he gives to me his own righteousness. And so when I stand before God as a believer now, I stand before God covered with a robe of Christ's righteousness that covers up all of my sins, and that all God sees then is Christ in me. 
and through me. I have no free will to affect that, though, or to make that happen. It is only when the Holy Spirit comes to me through the Word of God that I then am brought into believing and that faith that actually gives me righteousness before God. Does all that make sense? That's a lot, I know. <laughs> I just like leveled you with a whole bunch of theological stuff. What jumped out at you? What questions do you have? Or what were the things that made you go, huh? Go ahead, Kim. When worshiping, okay. when worshiping Jesus, the Heavenly Father, our Creator, or the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, is that concentrated on that one? Or is it for a wall? Oh, are you talking about Trinity-like? Yeah. I mean, like, are we, give, so, give us this day our daily bread. Yeah. Right. Okay. I, I mean, so I would say this. It, you know, when we come together for worship, we almost always start with an invocation, right? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy yeah. Spirit. And, and the, the reason for that is a reminder that Christ has said, whenever two or three are gathered in my name, I am with them. And so we invoke the name of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as a reminder that they are present with us in our worship and that they are giving to us through our worship something important, right? We, we, when we come together to worship, it is not about us like giving worship to God, which we certainly do, right? But the reason we come together for worship is to actually receive from God something that we desperately need. And that is we need confession and absolution. We need to hear that our sins are forgiven. That's Jesus. That's Jesus, the redemption, right? We need we need the body and blood of Christ in the sacrament, okay? Which comes to us, you know, that's Christ's body and blood. It comes to us through faith, which is the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, as the promise of God. We need the Word of God, which is a means by which the Spirit works in our lives to convince us and to bring us to faith and understanding of what He's given to us, the Spirit's work, right? So, so the short answer is it's all of the above, and yet our focus is always on Jesus Christ because he, that's, the, that's kind of the focal point of how your salvation was accomplished. And yet we don't minimize any one person of the Trinity. Okay. They're all present. When you worship for people for uh, uh, disease and, and sickness, okay. and, and, and uh, uh, Jesus died for all sin. Sure. And it's sin. Yeah. And then, but the Holy Spirit of Jesus, our the Lord, provides food, and clothing, and shelter, and, and 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 Jesus doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I would say yes, no, yeah, all of I, the above. I mean, well, I, I mean, saying, that gets into you know how do we take him up, Father, Son, and right, Holy right. Spirit. I mean, because oh, should all prayer be put that way? Well, we, so we, the general formula, if you want to call it that, is that we pray to God the Father, through God the Son, in God the Holy Spirit. So they're all present and active in our prayer life even. Okay. That, that God is the ultimate target of our prayers, but we do it in the name of Jesus Christ and through Him as our mediator. And, and the Holy Spirit, you know, as Paul says, intercedes with groans too deep for words, giving us, you know, a little bit of oomph there. So all of the above. Certainly. Yeah. Okay. Other thoughts? HT. Uh, <clears throat> Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, there's also another player here, the devil. Yeah. Is it important to know when the devil arrived on the scene? Because he was present in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. And I don't know if it's uh, 
significant development he was I think it's I think it's Daniel and Revelation are the two places where you kind of get some of that backstory of what happened. Yeah. That, you know, Satan is a fallen angel, right? That, that turns against God and then he's cast out of heaven along with a third of the angels who followed him. Um, so you get a little bit of that backstory. But I think my answer would be it's not so important simply because Scripture doesn't make a big deal out of it. I mean, there's, you know, there's a couple of places where you get a little backstory. But it's not like you've got a whole book going now. Let's talk about where this devil guy came from. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like, listen, understand that from the beginning of creation, you know, God created when, at whatever point that he created angels and all that kind of stuff. Sometime prior to the garden, Satan was created because there you go. There he is in the, in the garden tempting Eve. Um, away from her original righteousness, we had some of that language in here, to, to fall away from that. So, yeah, beyond that, I mean, you know, like I said, we got a little bit of background. Um, some of it sort of spectacular imagery, which is kind of neat. Revelation particularly is like that. So, yeah, I mean, just the knowledge that, that there's that being and that force that's always trying to pull us away is important to know to you know to know that there's a threat there's a danger um, and that you want to be cognizant of it and, and aware of it and you know wary of that he's there he's working yeah he's absolutely he knows all your shortcomings yeah and he's probably going to find some really stupid way to get yeah. involved yeah yeah what else all right then I'll throw a question at what, what two features of original sin do the confessors note in Article 2? Oh, look, I might have an answer to some of these. <laughs> um, that's question number 39. What are the two features of original sin? Now, they're, they're kind of going back. They're tying things into the, the Ten Commandments. We understand. That. So what they're doing is they're using the Ten Commandments to kind of give us some context in which to understand what sin looks like. And remember, they basically took the commandments and the two tables. One that deals with how we interact with each other and one that deals with how we interact with God. First three commandments are about our interaction with God. No other gods. Don't take his name in vain. Honor the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. This is all about me and God, Right? The rest of the commandments, 4 through 10, are about how I deal with other people. How do I love my neighbor? Honor my father and my mother. Don't you know, kill, don't commit adultery, all that business. So the two things that they bring out is that original sin, this sin that we have inherited from Adam, is about not being able to believe God and not being able to fear and love God. Okay, so so what we're what we're saddled with from birth is an inclination to disbelieve God and to disbelieve His Word and to reject what He has to say. Does that make sense? And that's what you're stuck with from birth, Ken. But it all happened when man rejected God. And yeah, it's all Adam and Eve's fault. And that's when it started. Yeah. And, 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 and it's like uh, somebody once said it's sort of like getting AIDS. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I mean everybody so, that was born after that right, happened. Right, right. 
So the, I mean, the confessions talk and about original sin as genetic. a disease. They talk about it as a disease. The, the yeah, or genetic disposition, if you want to call it that, passed down to us. You're stuck with it. And it's not anything that, I mean, so original sin, we're talking about original sin, original sin. as opposed to actual sin. And original sin, then, is something you're saddled with before you're born, before you even did anything. And, it, and understand, then, your original sin is the thing that says, ah, I don't believe that. I don't believe what God has to say. I mean, come on, that fairy God in the sky. Come on. Go ahead, Terry. I had a foreign exchange student from Norway. Okay. And he did not believe okay. at all. And I told him one morning, I said, I prayed for you last night. Yeah. And he said, I don't believe in any of that. And I said, that's okay. I can still pray for you. Well, he told our supervisor that uh, I'm cramming religion down. Oh, really? Because I'm praying. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm glad you prayed for me. Yeah. Do you know um, Ben Gillette? Do you know who that is? He's a a magician, comedian, um, Penn and Teller. Yeah, Penn and Teller. So Penn Gillette is the tall guy. Um, And he is an atheist. And people are all the time telling him, you know, listen, I'll pray for you. I mean, kind of the same story you described. And his reaction to that, I just love. Because he's a he's a kind person, and his reaction to that is that's awesome. Because even though I don't believe that, you do, and that means you care about me. The fact that that the thing that even though I don't believe that you do, and therefore you know that's a way to bless me, thank you for that. And, and I think, wow, it's like okay, that's awesome, and I do pray for him. <laughs> you know, I, I hope he comes to the knowledge of the truth. That's awesome. But what a kind way to respond to that yeah. and to react to it. Yeah. All right, so does that make sense? I mean, you understand what, a, what we're talking about with original sin? And you see why that's a problem, right? Because, because you have this natural inclination to disbelieve God, you know, where do you go with that? How do you fix that? You can't. Okay. Right, you can't. So, yeah, go. John. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nothing you did, right? He fixed it was the key phrase there. Yes. God fixes it. God steps in and he actually does something. So so the sometimes the imagery that's used is is, you know, you're the dead body that's floating in the water, and there's nothing you can do about that, but God reaches down and grabs you up out of the water and does CPR and brings you back to life. He it's entirely outside of yourself. Nothing that you can do to make it happen. So yeah, he he fixed that. Good point. That's good. It is good. <laughs> That's the gospel. In fact, <laughs> we've arrived at the gospel. Yay. Okay. Um, how does your faith in Christ strengthen you in times of guilt and temptation? That's a deep question, isn't it? I'll give you a short answer, and it's this. When you're dealing with guilt and temptation, you have a thing to grab hold on that is outside of yourself. And that is your own baptism. That you can go back to your baptism and you can say, you know what? I am a baptized child of God. He has claimed me as his own. He has marked me as his own. And he has forgiven me all my sins. And so Satan can, you know, throw guilt at me all he wants to. He can accuse me all he wants to. He can remind me of my sins all he wants to. The fact of the matter is, he's fixed it. 
that Christ has dealt with that. It'll be all right. It'll be okay. There's your word of comfort is the fact. And, and there's great stories about Martin Luther about this because, you know, we heard some of the stories. I mean, Martin Luther really struggled with his sins. You know, and it got to the point where he would come to his confessor and he would just go on and on and on and on and on about the most, you know, trivial little sins. And finally the guy was like, dude, come on, you're baptized. Just, it's okay. And so there came a point where Luther was got to be known for, you know, anytime that he would kind of feel this crushing weight of his own sinfulness, that he would, he would stand up and scream at Satan and say, I'm baptized. Cut it out. <laughs> I am baptized. And therefore, I know that Christ has dealt with that and that my sins have been washed away and that I stand before God bearing the righteousness of Christ. So cut it out. And, and, and tr ultimately, uh, one second, ultimately, Satan's only trick is to, is to try and convince you that he can condemn you before God. To try and accuse you before God and say, well, you know what, I'm going to take you to court and I'm going to tell God what you did. And, and your answer is, yeah, well, he already knows and he's already paid the penalty for it. So you got nothing. Go ahead, Kenan. Well, that's why we should be in the Word because if we use Jesus' words uh, when he was tempted, yeah, just use him. Oh, get thee behind the me. The devil <laughs> has to follow, get thee behind me, Satan. Mm -hmm. And if you do that in the name of Jesus Christ, that Satan has to do it. Yep, and God forbid Jesus speaks those words to you like he did to Paul or to yeah. Peter. <laughs> it was Peter. <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah, I mean, that's that's it. And that's, we cling to Christ, we cling to his word, we cling to his promises, and there is comfort in that. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, we got two questions done. Well done. <laughs> so I'll tell you what, we... I will leave the remaining questions to you just to, to wrestle with on your own. We'll, we'll start session four next week. Um, but if you have questions about the questions, shoot me an email. And, I, and I'm happy to offer some additional clarifications. Sound good? Okay. Um, let's close with a prayer. Thank you, Lord God, for this gift of salvation. As John said, you have fixed it. And we look to you for that. We thank you for that. We cling to that. We find our comfort in that. Um, we pray that as we go forth from here, you would guide and lead us in everything that we do, uh, that we might speak these words to others and they too might come to faith and an understanding of who you are and what you have done for them. Keep Pastor Mike safe as he travels back and forth between here and Nebraska. Uh, be with his family and just give them a joyous reunion. We pray also for their search for a home and for the sale of their home and just ask that you would guide all of that to where you need it to be. Will all these things we entrust to you, uh, knowing of your great mercy and praying it all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, everybody. God bless you. Have a great week. Well, thank you for joining us for today's Bible study. I pray that you've learned a bit that you met Jesus, and that your faith was built up through the discussion that you just heard. If you want to learn more about Holy Trinity, you can visit our website. It's www.holytrend.org. The website for the LCMS, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, is www.lcms.org. 
Thank you for listening. God bless you. Have a great week.